Okay, we're live in the group and, and we're recording. So uh, um, today we're, we have the pleasure of talking with a fellow archer and and that's kind of where I'm going to proceed. We get to talk about archery and uh, we'll get started here. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm going to be your host tonight on uh, Archer Talk 101. And with our, I'm going to have a guest tonight, Nick Gatlin, and he's going to be on here. We're going to talk about archery tonight. So it's going to be wherever we happen to go with it. Uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you so much, Roy. I'm I'm so glad you you decided to have me on. I'm very very thankful. Uh, I've always wanted to be on a podcast, so I and uh, I had I had contemplated starting my own at, at one point and uh, never got around to it. But I'm I'm really looking forward to all the topics we're going to discuss. So uh, you know, like you said, wherever it leads us. So I, anything <laughs> hunting or archery related, uh, I could talk all night about it. So uh, yeah. It's we, we just, you know, we'll just go with what, you know, we have questions come in on the, the live uh, stream, then we'll, we'll kind of pass them on. And uh, uh, other than that, we'll just talk art, you know, talk archery. So uh, how did you get started in archery? So uh, I actually started very, very young. My dad, uh, he bow hunted. And uh, I, so I was born in 95. I had a bow in my hands. Uh, I think in 98, I started shooting. So like three years old, I had a little bear brave you know, a little compound bow. And my parents still have like a home video of me. Uh, dad had like a 3D phone target set up in the backyard. And, you know, I was like, you know, probably 10, 12 feet away shooting at it with my bow. And uh, it actually fell over on me <laughs> on the video. <laughs> I went to pull my arrow out and it, uh, you know, some of those old 3D targets, man, uh, well, even some new ones, they're, they're pretty tough to get an arrow out of. Uh, even with that little bear bow, I guess for me it was because I, I managed to pull the the uh, whole target over on top of me so <laughs> yeah they they can be heavy some of them targets you know they they end up being pretty heavy and if they sit outside then it kind of gets soaked with water too and they really get heavy yeah absolutely but uh, so I started there and uh, I still shot a bow up until I was probably seven or eight years old I had a I had a little martin I forget I think it was a martin tiger it was like a youth bow and uh yeah remember I, I shot it and uh, I got pretty involved in sports and didn't really uh, shoot much probably between the ages eight and 12 and then I got back into bow hunting uh, I could finally pull enough poundage that you know my dad felt comfortable letting letting me go hunting with a bow so uh, I think I had a browning micro Midas uh, it was an it was an older bow I went from that to a uh, I had a PSE uh, brewing which was uh it was a solo cam bow and uh, it was my first bow that I could pull 60 pounds with. And I think I got it when I was like 13. And uh, I hunted with it for a little while. And then I finally got my first deer uh, with a Matthews DXT. I think I was, I was 15. So I, I hunted for a few years there and had some close calls. But uh, it, it seemed like when I first started bow hunting, it was just impossible to get a deer in bow range, you know, and, and get a shot on it. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> And this buck right here is actually only the second deer I ever killed with a bow. He's my best uh, Tennessee buck. But uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, I've been, uh, I guess I started out way up here on, on bow hunting for, for my area. And <laughs> I haven't killed another one that nice since with a bow, but hoping, hoping to here in the future. <laughs> you just got to keep, keep going and, uh, uh, you know, eventually you'll, you'll get one and, you know, I know when I go out, I'm I'm more hunting, you know, for the meat and you know, not as much the the trophy. But you know, if one comes by, I don't pass it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, 
here in Nebraska, we've got a couple that we got, you know, our regular archery tag and then our, our rifle tags. Then we have what they call a season choice tag, uh, which is just antlerless only. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's good for archery and archery season and rifled and rifle season and black powder during the black powder season. So, you know, it's 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 not like, you know, the nine days of rifle. If you don't get it, you, you eat the tag. And, yeah. you know, this way you've got the whole year to uh, to take advantage of it. And that's always kind of nice to get one of those but you know if that big buck comes by i gotta let it go <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i don't have the tag <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah it's uh it, it's 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 so funny how different it is you know from state to state here in my unit in tennessee we can kill three does a day uh and i'm not too well versed on the different tags i bought a i bought a lifetime when i was 12 years old so um you know, every, every year I, I never had to worry about renewing it. And it's good for, you know, does, bucks, uh, gun, muzzleloader, archery. But, uh, yeah, we're three does a day in my unit. And so technically, you know, if you wanted to hunt every single day and shoot three does every day, you could do that for a whole season. However many, however many does that is. <laughs> a lot. A lot, lot of meat, it's hard to process it that quick. You know, <laughs> if you get three deer, three deer in one day. You know, unless they're pretty small ones, they, they take you a while to process. Even a small one does. Oh yeah. And, and if you're paying to somebody to do it, oh man, that's expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, I've had to process two of my own in one day before, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't fun. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was good at the end when it was done, but uh, but yeah. So uh, I've kind of had a goal. I wanted to try to shoot a few more deer every year. I've, I kind of had a goal the last few years to kill five in one year to to have plenty of meat in the freezer because we we love deer meat and we eat uh you know and chili uh and I, I got a new steak recipe that i've been using the last year or so on my back straps and uh i'll cut my back straps real thick probably about an inch and a half like kind of like if you went to the store and bought a filet mignon you know kind of yeah. like that. cooking it cooking it just like i would a steak i sear it you know on both sides and then i i usually finish it off in the broiler you know in the oven and uh, it's it's uh, it's to die for. It's my it's probably my favorite meal. My my wife loves it too. So uh, but yeah, so I, I hadn't I hadn't accomplished that goal yet though. Shooting five in a year, I, two is about where I'm averaging out. <laughs> yeah, I know when we first started out, one deer would last this whole year easy, and, and then you know as we got used to how to fix it, and you know and got you know got used to you know the way you cook them because you cook them a little bit different than regular you know like a cow or something. You know, there's not a lot of fat in it. In fact, there's no fat in it. So you got to cook right. them a little bit differently. And and then it got to where, you know, my, my kids, you know, liked it so much and I'd make some jerky. And first time I had my my freezer was full of a moose and, and a deer and I had another one. It's like, I ain't got any freezer space. So I made jerky out of the whole thing. And, <laughs> you know, they're asking, is it ready? Is it ready? That deer lasted a week. We <laughs> ended up in a week. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah. know. You know, once the jerky was done, you know, they just eat it like crazy. And, uh, you know, that that's always nice to, to be able to have some of that. And, you know, I, you know, I used to have so much, you know, deer that, you know, I'd have a piece of, of beef. It's like, ooh, this, what's wrong with this? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's just beef. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned the jerky going so quickly. I mean, if we, uh, one year, uh, that's been a few years ago now, my dad, we shot a couple of deer. And, uh, and of course we didn't keep, we kept the back straps for other stuff, but everything else we tried to turn into jerky. And, uh, and my neighbor that lived across the street from us at the time, he had, 
he had taught my dad this jerky recipe. He would grind his up a couple of times, you know, and do it that way versus, you know, cutting thin strips of the meat. And it, it makes it really easy to chew and it's really good. But we, we ground up like 12 pounds probably of meat. And by the time it came out of the dehydrator, there was, there was barely anything, you know. So, <laughs> so you feel like you got all this jerky meat. And then and by the time you dehydrate it, it's all gone. But it is so good, though. Uh, yeah. We, hadn't made any in a while but uh but yeah i like i like some jerky but uh but yeah so i i was listening to some of your earlier podcasts uh throughout the week trying to you know get myself you know kind of in the in the head in the headspace and uh so i want to hear a little more about about your archery career you know I, i've heard about you talk about it on some some other podcasts but i know you owned an archery shop and uh and you started teaching archery i think you said in 95 yeah. so i've been yeah. doing this in a lot <laughs> yeah 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 i i started out in, in archery back in the 60s oh wow <laughs> your, your option was recurve or longbow that was the only options there was no compounds they didn't come around to the 70s and uh you know i started out with a little 25 pound fiberglass uh, recurve bow uh, ben pearson and i still have it and uh when i was in scouts i made some arrows and i still have some of those left you know, I won't shoot the arrows because, you know, they're wood arrows and I won't shoot the bow because, you know, it's fiberglass and some of the, the fiberglass starting to split a little bit. So, you know, it's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> but uh, I started with that. And then uh, when the first compounds come out, uh, I started shooting uh, a bare whitetail that my brother had bought and, you know, learning on that. And then I, you know, advanced into other bows and 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 then, you know, just you know, we started out, we didn't have any fancy sights, you know, the, I remember when the first, first ones, what they call, you know, fancy sight before it was just a bar with the pins and you moved them up and down and in and out and each one individually. So, you know, it was, it was kind of a real pain to uh, uh, get them set right. Because uh, as you loosen it up to move it up or down, then when you tighten it down, the pin will move in and out. So it was, yeah. it was a big, you know, you, you know, you, you didn't get real accurate with them because, you couldn't adjust them very well, you know. And then I remember the first sights I got, you know, that had actually had decent pins on them. Oh man, that was that was so nice. And and I know I looked around for uh, several places and I and I found it online. And then I went to the archery shop that was was here locally that I used to go to all the time. And, and it says, "This is the slide I want. Can you get it?" Oh yeah, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> so and they sold to me cheaper than what was on you know advertised online. So. That was uh, always in, enjoyable to, you know, have a good archery store. And when I opened mine up, I just kind of, you know, try to keep the stuff on hand. And, you know, that was, you know, in 95, I started taking a uh, archery course uh, from a guy teaching the NFA archery. And that's how I learned the back tension release. And I remember going through the first time, you know, somebody says, well, how do you know where, where it's going to go? You're, you're not aiming, you know, it's, you don't know when it goes off. How am I going to know what, what they're going to hit? And, you know, I went through that. And then once I finally learned, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you don't want to try and pull the trigger because you'll see a lot of people go up there. And I see one guy had a finger above the trigger. We'd ready to shoot. He just reached around and grabbed the trigger and pull it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try to tell. I was like, nah, nah. So, yeah, you know, I started, I started teaching in 95 and then I kind of went along and, uh, you know, taught several people. And then I had my own store for a while. and. And every time you'd buy a bow from me, I, you know, you'd also got instruction as well. 
you know, because mm-hmm. I want to make sure you knew how to shoot. I was just going to sell you the bow and go away. You know, yeah. I want to make sure you knew how to shoot. So I'd give you, you know, basic instruction. It wouldn't be, you know, advanced instruction, but, um, you know, I, several guys, I had one guy that bought a bow and it wasn't two weeks later to come back. Ah, uh, see, see what I did in my arrow? I got a trophy. He stuck two arrows together, got a Robin Hood. You know, a couple <laughs> weeks after I taught him how to shoot. Never shot a bow before. <laughs> so I said, okay, you know, I've done that many, many times, taken, you know, groups, for, you know, from six, seven, eight inch groups down to, you know, one inch groups. And I was like, you know, this is, this is pretty, uh, um, pretty good you know, when you, you can see somebody all of a sudden they catch on what's going on. And, and, you know, that's why I like teaching. And, and I just go through a lot of that and, and, you know, now that I'm retired, I decided I'm going to put together an archer coaching program. And, you know, you, you can go out and look. And there's a couple of guys that, you know, have some really good videos, really good content. Uh, uh, one guy, uh, Jake Kaminsky, mm-hmm. Olympic archer, but he only does recurse or, you know, so that's all he's teaching the Olympic archer net style. Um, I've mostly focused on compound, like, like this guy's shooting over here. Um, I can teach the other stuff, um, but, you know, he's got some really good content in there and I watch his videos and I learn from it. And then uh, there was another guy, um, knock on archery. Um, oh, you know, yeah, not, yeah. He's got yeah. some very good videos. Yeah. I've, I've watched a few of, of his before. Uh, and, and in your situation, you know, with you running that shop, it really gave you a good opportunity because uh, I had a buddy that was a, uh, he was uh, in the in the army, and uh, I met him in college. And uh, he he told me he hated trying to train people who uh, like grew up shooting guns because he was a drill sergeant <laughs> at, at Benning. And he was like, I hated trying to guys that that grew up shooting guns. I hated trying to teach them how you know our way was. And I guess <laughs> in your situation, you know, with newer with you know seeing new archers being able to kind of influence. You know, because I, I know I can, you know, we develop habits and stuff over the years if we hadn't had formal training. And and I've, I've got bad habits still. I still uh, <laughs> still get target panic. And, you know, what's funny is is last year. So I uh, I just got a new bow this year. I, I went and uh, I, I got a, a Hoyt Ventum Pro 30. We went and shot the Total Archery Challenge here in, in Tennessee uh, in Winchester. So I actually live in Lincoln County. Uh, Tennessee and Fayetteville which is right it's like you know a 45 minute drive just to go to to the total archery challenge and there were people from everywhere I mean well, there were people from Missouri yeah. it, was, it was my first time ever shooting any kind of it I wouldn't call it a competition but you know it's just a, a big 3d course and uh if, if you ever get the chance to do it I'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend it uh it's it's a lot of fun but we met all kinds of people I actually won a free release but uh but anyway I'm getting a little <laughs> off track but so for the last uh, say in 2013 uh that was the last new bow i bought and i shot that bow all the way up to this year and it was the the psd dream season uh dna and super fast bow uh totally different kind of from what i'm shooting now um at the time i was still in high school when i got that bow so i i wanted something i wanted something with some speed and uh and it had it but uh and i was just so used to shooting it and i was shooting a uh a wrist sling release. I had a, uh, a true ball short and sweet with the, just the one hook. I really liked it because, you know, you just hook it right on your D loop whenever a deer was coming in. And it was, it's pretty easy to use. So this year, not only did I get a new bow, I got um, a handheld, like a thumb release. And I, I love the feel of that thumb release, but I don't know what it is. It's like something mentally 
when I get on the target, a lot of times my pins settling, you know, below where I'm wanting to hit. It's like making my pin get on. And I didn't have that problem with my old bow. It's just, it's all in my head, I guess, you know, but I went to the total archery challenge and somehow made it through it only losing like maybe three arrows. So (laughs) that's not bad. (laughs) Not, not too bad. (laughs) I know when I started on 3d shoots, you know, if I come back with all my arrows, uh, you know, if I had enough to finish was good. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, do I have enough arrows to complete? I think I got six or eight arrows. Do I have enough to complete the course? And, <laughs> and then you get done. It's like, then you don't lose any. And then next like, okay, you're going along and, you know, I can use the same arrow for the whole, the whole time. And, you know, as you get better, learn to judge yardage and stuff like that. And, you know, that's always a challenge. And, you know, I think some of my other podcasts, I talked about, you know, judging yardage and, you know, when, when I've got this video, this this will be podcast number fifty four. So, yeah, there's yeah. a good to go back and listen to all kinds heard, of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think I heard I heard that when you talked about you said you were trying to imagine like a, a rope, like a thirty foot rope. Is that right? Right, right, right. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that, of course, of course, I had my range finder, you know, and it was some extreme angles because. Uh, the county to the east of us is where uh, the Cumberland Plateau starts, which is kind of, it's not technically, I guess, I guess it's not technically mountains. We call them mountains because, you know, it's real steep, and pretty, pretty tall. So it's mountains to us around here. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, uh, it was pretty physically demanding too. Uh, we did. So the first course we shot was the uh, Black Rifle Coffee course. And I think the max ranges were out to, I think, around 70 yards, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I still got my scorecard somewhere. I, I kept score as poorly as I shot. I, I had a few I had a moments in the sun, uh, <laughs> but uh, but just hiking up and down those mountains, it was a, it was a challenge. I, we uh, the, so right at the start of the course, we're heading straight down the mountain. And I was thinking the whole time, like, oh, we got to come back up at some point. And uh, and uh yeah, it, it got it got pretty rough. They had a big Sasquatch you could shoot at, and so we shot the full uh, twenty five targets. I think it was twenty or twenty five targets on that course, and then we went and shot the Sitka course, and it went out to one hundred and twenty yards on a caribou, and uh, I hit it. I, I probably could have shot a lot better, but I totally freaked out whenever I was shooting. <laughs> I, I didn't have a hundred. I didn't have like a hundred yard pin. I think it was a hundred actually. And uh, I didn't have a hundred yard pin and my fleshings are, I shoot the blazer veins, you know, and they're kind of tall. So uh, it wouldn't clear under the bottom of my, of my site housing. So I had to just kind of, kind of guess anyway. So once I got drawn back on it, I, I let it fly. I, I hit, I hit it, but it wasn't a very good shot, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very tired by the end of the day. <laughs> oh yeah. I can imagine hiking up and down them hills uh, and as you get older. It's it's harder to see, you know, those long shots like that. I have trouble seeing seeing the targets. So yeah, if I can't see the target, see the pin, it's kind of makes it a little difficult, you know, as you get a little older and start the little cataracts forming on your eye, and, and then you know, that's there's always things you gotta you know deal with and, and just figure out how to do them. And I know uh, when I see, I see two sets of pins. And it, always my right eye has been the clear one and then my left eye is not, not as clear. So my mind over the years, you know, decades has ignored the set of pins that, you know, aren't as clear. Well, then now as the cataract from the right eye, the left eye is the clear eye. So what does my mind pick up? The left eye vision on the pins, which means mm-hmm. 
at 20 yards, you're off by, you know, three feet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I drew back on this deer and I know that pin was right where it's supposed to be. And sure enough, yeah, I ended up getting it, but it hit in the artery in the hip, you know, right by the back leg. And I said, what's going on? And like, I know that pin was not that far back and it wasn't, it wasn't moving. So it wasn't like this moving through and I just misjudged the timing. Mm -hmm. And so then I go down to the range and I normally target shoot, you know, I target shoot for practice, you know, develop my skills, close my left eye, nailed it, right where it's supposed to be. I said, that's going on. So open up both eyes and I missed the five spot <laughs> completely. I was like, all right, what's going on? So now then you go through one of those, start blinking the left eye to make sure you're seen on the right one. And then I noticed that when I hunt, I have a hooded sweatshirt on. And as I turn my head, the hood doesn't move. My head does. And the, the hood blocks my left eye. Problem solved. I can shoot both eyes open. <laughs> so I just got to remember that. And when you see your pen, you know, my, my fiber optic pens have a black dot in the middle. You know, so now that I have that and then trying to see those long distances. So, yeah, I prefer the shorter ranges. Yeah. Just so I, I would, can see the targets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had a hard lesson here a few years ago and uh, about, you know, checking your setup and stuff. You know, uh, I had, uh, as back, I think in 2020, I had went to my friend's house and uh, I had gotten some new arrows and wanted to kind of, you know, adjust my sight on my bow and, I got everything set and I should have been uh, hand. This is a story about like hand pressure and hand placement on the bow because right. uh, and, and preparation. Cause I didn't that year, I didn't take enough time really to shoot my bow enough and, and know exactly what was going on. And uh, anyway, my top pin, I've never been able to shoot my top pin out to 30. So that should have told me that something was kind of off, but that, that particular day I sighted in my bow I mean, 20 yards, you know, I was hitting where I wanted to, 30 yards top pin was hitting where I needed it to. And I thought, oh, I guess I'm good to go. And uh, so fast forward, you know, a month or so, and I had this buck on camera. He was a nine point with like a split brow tine, really, a really nice deer for, especially for around here. And um, the middle of October is, is always one of my favorite. Uh, we always seem to get a cold front. Uh, October, I'd say 12th through like 18th, somewhere in that time range. I killed that deer on the 16th, and I've had two other encounters with like a target buck of mine uh, around that day. Like the 16th, I think, was when I seen that nine point, and then I, uh, I had a, an eight point that I had an encounter with too on the same, all on the same weekend. So anyway, uh, I get in the stand that evening. I had hunted there in that stand that morning. And didn't have much luck. And uh, it was getting down really, really low light. This deer came in with about five minutes of shooting light left. So it was already pretty tough to see him. But um, I got drawn back on him. And uh, I had to, I was looking through my peep sight. And, you know, I, I always liked having a tiny peep sight because I felt like it made me shoot better. Well, in a low light situation, not good. <laughs> not good. No. And so I'm drawn back and, I had to pull my head up off the bow to see the deer and then rearrange, you know, where I was aiming and I could see the white on this, on his belly. And I could tell where his body was oriented. So, you know, I, I went just a little bit above it and I shot and I just watched my arrow sail over his back. He's like 20 yards broadside, the, the deer I'm after. And, uh, and yeah, and I watched my arrow just sail like a foot over his back. I, he, he probably dropped a little bit, 
it was definitely the, I, I went and shot my bow the next day and everything was tight and I was shooting like eight nine inches high and you know at 20 yards and it, you know and it was just my hand it was my hand placement you know I was putting a little more palm pressure you know toward the middle of the grip and it was making the bow it's such a lightweight bow uh, it, it was just making the bow just tilt up just enough and uh yeah so that that hurt <laughs> yeah lesson well, learned and, and you know that that's a lot of things that people don't understand you know about shooting is it's there's a lot of things that affect your form, uh, you know, the hand placement, where it fits on your hand, where your pressure is at, you know, there for a while they was doing, you know, instead of the, the wrist being down and pushing with the this part of your hand, you know, that right there, you know, straight line with your your arm, they do a high wrist. So now that's up. And yeah. so the only touching is is the same. And the problem with that is it's too much flex. And, and yeah. you know, I've tried all those different things until I finally learned, you know, the kind of the 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 best way to do it and what works for me. And, you know, with 20 years of martial arts training, I kind of incorporated the two together because, you know, there everything's efficient, you know, direction of power, you know, and so that's, I've incorporated that in the the way I teach, but, uh, you know, the hand placement is so important. And, you know, if you're putting pressure, it goes, goes off your anchor points, your release, there's just so many things that affect it. And, you know, I had a podcast on target panic. (laughs) <laughs> I need to watch and how to fix it <laughs> well the best way is quit pulling the trigger yeah or in your case you know, you, the handheld is not intended to use the thumb to fire it mm-hmm. it's intended to sit on the thumb and then as you pull back it goes off mm-hmm. so if you're using the handheld and you're using your thumb to actually pull the trigger then it's worse than using your finger because it's less dexterity than your index finger. So now you're using something less dexterity, trying to fire something. Yeah. 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 I've, I've gotten a little, a little better. I will say I've gotten a little better, but uh, yeah, I, there's definitely room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's to do, you know, and, and that's some of the things that we do in the um, ArchTalk 101 Facebook group is you can upload videos and we'll give you a critique and, and stuff, you know, to give you little pointers. Um, where the coaching program, we go a little bit further, a little deep and a little more one-on-one. Uh, you know, when you get into the private coaching or the, you know, group, you know, either a private one-on-one like this or in a small group, we're going to do it live and you're going to have some direct feedback you know, and, and that's where my my coaching program is a little bit different because we're doing it online and alive instead of, you know, some of them will do uh, send me a video, I'll critique it and send you back a video and, and you know, or um, like I've seen some of them, they'll, they'll video them teaching somebody how to do it, but teaching you how to do it to fit your body type is different than somebody else, mm-hmm. you know you know, our bodies are all different. We work a little differently. You know, when you're least, you know, you should go back to it, but I can't get my hand back onto my shoulder because it just won't fit there. You know, so, you know, so as I, I can't go all the way back like you normally see someone because I, it won't go there. I can force it back, but it's not going to naturally go there. So you, there's all th- kind of things. And that's where we get into, you know, in the, the coaching program. And, you know, one of the things I offer to those that are interested in coaching is a free 50 minute consultation call. And, you know, I have a form to fill out for that, you know, you know, just to see if it's, you know, something that's interesting to them. And, you know, that's where we get into, you know, specialized 
coaching. And, you know, I teach the secrets that Olympic archers use. You know, mm -hmm. what I'm teaching is what they're doing. And, you know, that's been time-tested techniques for, for years. And, you know, that's just, you know, just something that everybody can use that. And, and that's where we go with, with that is it's a little more personalized. And, you know, you can watch videos all day long, but until you, you know, somebody can critique what you're doing, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't fit. And then go from there. And I had one guy that I, I taught, uh, he's actually in the, the Facebook group. You know, he was grouping about six, eight inches. And then um, I helped him out one night for about an hour. And and then uh, the last, you know, he sent me a picture. You know, I had three arrows touching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've done that many times, you know, you know, like like the guy I taught I talked about earlier that in my uh, when I had my store. And, you know, I've you know, when I worked at uh, Bass Pro in their archery and Cabela's in their archery departments. And, you know, I've done it many times. So. You know, I know my technique works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the most interesting Robin Hood I got was uh, I was setting up a customer's bow, setting a drop away. And if you know anything about drop aways, you have to shoot them to test see if they work and they're set up mm -hmm. right. Because you draw them back, you let down, they don't they don't drop. So you don't know if you have any contact. So I went out there and shot an arrow, shot the second one, stuck the two arrows together. And of course, the Cabela's arrow, so I really didn't care. You know, we <laughs> we just get more if we run out. And yeah. uh, there's a couple of guys sitting there, it's like, oh man, they're seeing me do that. Oh yeah, that, that's I I've done it a couple of times, you know. And uh, the one guy come in, he says, yeah, I couldn't get it to group. I'm like, uh, it's you. <laughs> it's not the bow. I just see what I just did. <laughs> you know, I just stuck two arrows together, so you can't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, you know. And it's it's all in form and shooting technique, you know, and some of the problems that you're having and some of the problems I have. It's it's hard for me to diagnose my own. You know, I have to watch back and then it's like, okay, try and critique my own self. And, and you know, that that's, that's a little tougher to be your own coach. You know, that's why everybody has coaches. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a great resource that you're putting out there. I mean, uh, to be able, like you said, to have kind of someone be able to watch you live and, and critiquing, you know, your form and what you're doing. That, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. Um, especially someone that, that really knows what they're doing, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, <laughs> cause you can get bad coaching. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and I've seen it in some of the, the groups I go out there, you know, I, I joined several other groups and, and somebody says, how's my form? And it's like, what am I doing wrong? Practice more, uh, practice more, practice what? You know, practice bad habits, <laughs> and I can't get any better. You know, and, and and so I try to you know give them decent advice, but you know you can only go so far without getting them. You know, and then I have invited them into my group, and then and then we get a little more more expert communication with them. And and in that group, we have people that have been shooting sixty years. Um, you know, there's one guy that's been shooting longer than I have, and I've been shooting you know since the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I started shooting and, um, you know, and we've got people that, you know, bow techs out there. I've, I've been working on bows, you know, since I had my store in 2001. So I've been working on bows for 20 years. And sometimes you get into some of the older ones when I was at the, you know, Cabell's and Bass Road, the older bows that come in, it's like, right. Okay. Here you go. This is your bow to work on. Because <laughs> yeah. You know, if you don't work with the older ones, they're, they're different. You know, they're oh, completely yeah. different. And, you know, my problem with the new ones, I can't press the new ones because, you know, the parallel or beyond parallel limbs. 
you know, I can't put them in my press because I have one of the old style presses. And, you know, there's, there's some newer presses to work on. And I have a portable one, you know, just a cable. And I had mm -hmm. one guy come over with uh, one of the real new ones. And those limbs bulged in so much that I couldn't even put that on there because it would just barely catch, you know. So, yeah. yeah, I can't work on the new real new ones. But fortunately, I don't have any real new bows. You know, <laughs> I, my hunting bow is a 2001 Carrera PSE. Okay. And my, the one I use for Target, I have set up for Target, is also a camel bow, but it's a, a PSC Scorpion. Okay. And, and I got the first year it come out, and it's a two-cam bow. Then the next year it come out as a single-cam bow, and then they dropped the line. <laughs> <laughs> so so when I'm trying to say, okay, what am I strangling? Because I, I don't, my sticker is, yeah, I can't read it. So I got a hold of this. Here's serial number. They says, okay. Here's the string, the cable, and the control cable, and and here's your links. And I, you know, I make a new ones, and that's one of the things I've done in the uh, the group as well. Is uh, I've had you know some series of working on bows, <clears> you know, <throat> as well as some archery form tips, and you know, just just everything. It just it's just so much fun to you know talk with other archers, and you know, that's why I like getting them on here and finding out you know what your experiences are, and you know what you're going with, and. I know you've been you've been shooting for a while, and uh, what are some of the struggles that you've been going through that you know here recently that uh, uh, you've got uh, you know things that you're working on and how you solving those problems? Yeah, so uh, you know we kind of talked a, we touched a little bit on the on the target panic, you know, uh, and uh, I guess one of the things that I've noticed whenever. Uh, you know, and, and, I've, and I've gotten a lot better, you know, I'm, I'm able to group a lot better, you know, it, it, uh, I go out every day, I have my target set out at 40 yards. So uh, I'll just walk out on my back porch and uh, I, you know, even if I just go out for lunch, I telework. So, you know, for lunchtime, sometimes I, I don't want to take a lunch. I'll just go sling a few arrows, you know, at lunch and, and just taking that time every day to shoot and, and really try to focus on, you know, settling my pen where I want it and not really focusing on, on, you know, pulling the trigger, just kind of easing my finger on the trigger until it goes off, you know, and, and that's kind of what I've been trying to do to work, work through that. Um, and, and it's, it's helped. It's, it's tightened my groups up uh, for sure. When, when I first got the bow, it was, uh, like I said, using that thumb release. I think that was a lot. I think that was a lot of it for me was the new release because I'm, I'm so worried, like I'm going to let go. Of, like it's going to come out of my fingers. You know, I've always been used to having something. <laughs> strapped to me and it couldn't come off you know so I think that was a lot of uh kind of what created that problem for me was just uh being worried about this somehow coming out of my fingers or something funny happening so but uh <laughs> got it more I've worked through it uh but I think I think mostly mostly that that target panic is what I've what I've had to work on as far as my you know my draw and my anchor points and and trying to keep everything the same you know I think even in the, in the hand pressure problem, I, that new bow, I've kind of eliminated that, you know, I've shot it enough and I've, I've gotten so used to it. And the grip helps too. Uh, the grip on my old PSC, I, I never, I never really liked that grip on that, on my PS. I still have that, that PSC uh, from 2013 and the bare riser uh, just did not work for me. The flat back. And a lot of people say, you know, that's more accurate having a flat back and, um, that grip, the new vital point grip on the Hoyts, it, it's a it's a little flat, but it's you know it's kind of rounded off a little more at the edges. 
uh, I love the, the feel of it too. And uh, it's, it's made me be more consistent on my hand placement. And I think that's, you know, why I've been able to be more accurate with it than, than my old bow. Uh, and it's just the way more comfortable uh, than my old bow. My old bow, it had those, you know, like I said, it was a speed bow. So it had a real aggressive draw cycle and, and you would get it back and you'd be doing like this right here, you know, and trying to keep it, keep it held back. And uh, if I, if I let it, my string creep even a little, it was, it was just wanting to go. So uh, I think, you know, all those things helped with this new bow, but uh, as far as hunting struggles uh, lately, just uh, getting my eyes on, on, I've been after one buck in particular. So down here, our rut is like pretty much uh, in the part of Tennessee I live in. Uh, it pretty much starts about now and runs through uh, about the first week of December, you know, is when you'll see most of your rutting activity. And then we kind of get a secondary rut, you know, around Christmas. So, and uh, I've, I've had one buck in particular that I've been, that I've been after. Uh, he showed up on the 4th of November, just kind of out of nowhere, had, didn't really know the deer was around. And uh, so that's, that's been a, that's been a challenge. It's been fun trying to get after him and figure out what he's doing. I haven't been able to put anything together really <laughs> other than he there once a week, I get a picture of him and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to figure out which day of the week he comes by. I took a week and a half off work. So <laughs> hoping it works out. <laughs> yeah, no, what we, we, we had a new, new property that uh, um, has some deer on it. We put uh bunch of cameras up because it's you got a cornfield and a milo field and there's just kind of a, a fence row of trees that kind of surround it and we put up like six or seven cameras and got nothing during daylight all the pictures a lot of pictures at night mm -hmm. all activities at night when it's dark yeah there's one spot that right as the shooting sign starts that show up and and i sat out there you know last week and uh, um nothing and then you know, the few days after that, not even any pictures at night, <laughs> you know, so I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, we just got through rifle season here in Nebraska and, and you know, they, they kind of all change patterns. And Oh yeah. Yeah. It has a, it has a huge effect on them. So it's funny. So that property that I hunt uh, around here there, so the end of the County I live on, I live on the Southern end of Lincoln County and uh, it's real flat and there's a lot of agriculture and I grew up hunting in like the north part of the county. So you're in the same county, but totally different habitat. It's more hills and, and big timber tracks, you know. And uh, so I just started hunting this farm about five years ago. And it's all crop fields out here uh, on the southern end of the county. There, there's some there's some decent bodies of timber, but the deer, the deer just they don't use it like uh, like they do in the hills. I mean, I, I could go sit at my farm and in the hills in the north part of the county and I, I mean you'll see deer all day i mean you know you could see you're just as likely to see a deer at 10 a.m as you are at, at six or seven you know at daylight and uh but this other place the deer it's like the first hour of daylight is when you're going to see pretty much all the deer and then the last hour if you know or right at dark i say the first and last hour but really it's more like the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes you know? <laughs> yeah I, and uh and so it was a big adjustment for me. And, and uh, I noticed in the hills, you know, it seemed like a lot of the deer would stick to more of a defined trail. And out here on, on this, this flat ground I hunt, they just kind of, 
you know, I've found one spot where I can say, okay, I know deer are going to come through here. But once they hit that cornfield, they just, they just scatter. Like, I don't know what it is, you know, you'll see deer going everywhere. So, and, you know, I had deer this, I went this morning and uh, the majority of the deer were in front of me, but I had deer come from behind me and I had deer come from, you know, from my right and my left, just kind of just random. So it's, it's so hard sometimes over at that place to pinpoint this, there's good deer out there. Uh, but, uh, it, they can be so hard to pinpoint. Uh, I got lucky. So back in both season, I, uh, I shot my first deer off the ground. I, I had, uh, I had went and bought like a, one of the, I bought a blind chair from Cabela's. I just didn't use a blind. I just, <laughs> I just took it. And I had, I had two good trees and like a little cedar tree to, to hide behind. And so, uh, the bean, uh, the corn, I'm sorry, the corn was still in and it was back in early October. And, uh, I got to that spot. Uh, basically it's where I've been so I've been rifle hunting uh, since our rifle opened on Saturday on the 19th so but uh, before before that when the corn was up it was easy for me to slip around that field because they go out there like you said at night and they're feeding in that field and they're filtering most of the deer are filtering back into the woods you know by daylight so you know it's hard to get in there well when the corn was up you know it kind of hid my walk in and there was some you know kind grass around the field edge so i could get in pretty quietly and uh i did end up bumping some deer as i was getting to my spot that morning but i got there and got set up about uh, 20 yards from the corner where all the deer most all the deer filter through so i got set up and <laughs> I, I was waiting and you know like i told you usually everything i see is like right at daylight so i'm waiting and it's been you know, it got daylight at like six o'clock that morning, I guess. So it was like seven o'clock rolled by, hadn't seen any deer, 7.30. And I was like, man, you know, I figured, yeah, I hope I didn't scare off the only deer I was going to see, you know, trying to get, trying to get back here. And uh, I kind of started to think that. And then a little, as a smaller eight point, probably a two-year-old eight point, he popped out in front of me and I, I was watching him and I got my phone out and I was sitting there, sitting there videoing him. And, uh, and he was kind of eating around in the corn and he kind of started coming my way. And I was watching him. And as I'm watching him, that the buck ended up shooting, stepped out. And, <laughs> and I got on the, on the video, you see me just pan over and I see that buck and it's like, Oh, you know, and I, I stuck, I, I wear a binocular harness and uh, stuck my phone back in there and got my bow ready. I was like, yeah, I think, I think we're going to shoot this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> And so I got drawn back and, uh, he, he was at like 30 yards and I had a wide open shot, but, um, I was, I was wanting to wait because he was still coming my way. And I'm, I'm one of those people like, you know, uh, if, if a deer's coming my way, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take a longer shot if I know I can get a closer shot. And right. I almost regretted that because <laughs> I'm at full draw and I'm, I'm watching this deer in my pens and that little buck just starts walking closer to me. And I'm like, Oh no. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I hope I don't, I'm not going to have to let, I'm never going to be able to let down. And, and no. then a third, a third buck popped out and I'm like, Oh God, I'm like, you know, now I got three sets of eyes on me. And, uh, anyway, they, they didn't really pay. I was really surprised. I, I was not that well hid. I mean, I was, I was, you know, hidden pretty good, but I think, I think deer kind of have, I think they get used to being hunted, you know, from a tree and, uh, and from tree stands, especially around here, because, you know, 
a lot of big timber, you know, even, even in this part of the County where there's not as much, there's still lots of tracks of mature timber that, you know, people use climbing stands, lock-ons, ladder stands, you know, everything. And, um, but they never, I was really surprised how much I could get away with as far as movement, you know, on the ground, which I had, there were some weeds kind of grown up. And, and when I drew back, I made sure that all, all the heads were down, you know, and they weren't, you know, they were eating. And, and uh, so that helped me. But as that little buck's closing in on me, that other buck, he was about 20 yards and he got kind of in the corn where that little buck had just stepped out from. And at this point, I, I'm like, okay, I've got to shoot now because if I don't, this, this little two-year-old buck, he's about to be like in my lap. So, so, <laughs> so I shot and, uh, I, it, the shot sounded good. I couldn't really see it and, uh, too good from after the shot, I seen the deer take off running. I, I thought I heard him crash, but I kind of gave it a minute and, uh, went to look for my arrow and sure enough, you know, it, everything looked good. I ended up hitting about center of the heart and, uh, kind of the bottom of each lung, and uh, he went probably, you know, 75 yards and I got in there and uh, drug him out of the woods and got him loaded up. But, yeah, it was a that was a he was a, it was a pretty good deer for, for around here. Uh, but uh, and then I had this other buck show up on camera, you know, a few weeks later. And uh, he's kind of been uh, my target for now. So we get two buck tags here. So it used to be three. They I'm, I'm kind of glad they, they dropped it down to two. Uh, but yes, that's that's kind of how my season's been going so far. I've been cat and mouse uh, this month with with that big one, but uh, maybe maybe it'll work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's always kind of interesting, you know, some of the stories that you, you you have when you're you're going out there, and some of them are um, the ones where you don't get anything can be the most interesting ones. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh that's how it went for me Saturday. I seen I seen a bunch of deer. You know, and uh, it was probably the best hunt that I've had on that property. I mean, as far as numbers and this this morning was really good. But uh, Saturday morning, I seen a ton of deer, didn't kill anything. I seen a lot of snow geese. And that's something we don't we don't really my part of Tennessee. We don't see snow geese like and I seen probably five or six flocks. Uh, of course, they got like five foot of snow up in Buffalo, New York. I'd say that probably oh. uh, probably helped push them down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh that was cool. I was just sitting there all morning sending uh, videos to my buddies of snow geese and sandhill cranes flying over. So that was that's pretty cool. It was it was the whole experience was just really cool Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you, you get you get a lot of a lot of neat things that you see. I I know one one time I was sitting in the in the tree and, and you know the the rabbits and squirrels are running around, the birds are chirping, and all of a sudden everything got completely quiet. <laughs> You know, it's it's all time. They all all went went to sleep and they're bedded down for the night. And and I still got you know half hour, forty five minutes left of shooting time. And and it, the forest is quiet, <laughs> nothing <Yeah>. moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So I've uh I've actually I I went I made a trip to Nebraska uh back in twenty twenty. So I have I um uh, I hunt as many uh as as many different. I hunt. Uh, you know, upland and waterfowl and turkey and deer. So uh, we don't have a lot of wild birds, wild quail and stuff around where I live. Uh, but uh, I guide, I have a bird dog. And that was the main reason I went to Nebraska back in 2020. Uh, we went out to Western Nebraska out near uh, Ogallala and uh, we stayed over over there uh, pretty close by and, and did some pheasant hunting and stuff. And 
that was my first time ever doing something like matter of fact uh, that's the the bird that wing right there i guess i could uh i guess i could show you that was my first pheasant i killed uh and oh, shot it out but uh nebraska man, pheasant <laughs> yeah real yeah but uh so I, I did get to make one trip to nebraska but uh I'd, I'd love to go back out there you know uh and do it again but uh so yeah it was it was a great experience and then i uh, kind of got into waterfowl and upland hunting here in the last few years but uh deer and turkey have kind of been my my mainstay for a long for a long time that was you know all i did but uh but yeah it's definitely uh, a lot of a lot of things out there to experience and uh just hunting in general you know like i said any any kind of hunting i can get in on i'm i'm game for it <laughs> yeah it's it's always nice there's there's a lot of a lot of nice hunting out here and i know when i was a kid growing up you know pheasant hunting is what i did you know all the time and you know you going out and walking around and getting pheasants and um you know that just kind of what i grew up doing is you know stomping through some of the snow up to your waist and snow drifts and, and you know you you lift your foot up as high as you can and set it down and takes down to the ground you pick the next one up and you know kind of slow moving you know to get through some of those drifts to get to some of the fields and you know it was, it was kind of nice doing that and and i had an old jc higgins 20 gauge bolt action shotgun uh, full choke <laughs> that i used and I know when they get up, I got one shot and I, I got a full choke, so I can't shoot right away because it's almost like a bullet then. And, yeah. you know, so I got used to, you know, waiting and picking my shot. And, and then I went to an 870 Wingmaster, which the, the JC Higgins has a thumb safety. Uh -huh. So it's right up there next to the bolt. And I'd shot it so much that um, when I draw up, my thumb hits the safety, takes the safety off. So when I start back down and put the safety on, it just automatically, I didn't even think about it. It just automatically did that. And, <laughs> you know, I'd always had trouble when a, when a pheasant would get up and, and it was a hand. And so yeah. I'd start back down, the safety would go on, rooster get up, safety's on. It's like, because <laughs> I didn't get all the way down to reset. And then I went yeah. to the 870 Wingmaster and then it has the finger safety. Like I could never get it off in time. Bird gets up, it's like, where's the safety? And yeah. I tell you, the bird's gone, you know, because I won't walk the safety off. Yeah. You, you know, that's that's just something I won't do. And oh yeah, that's and, unsafe. Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and I and then I started, you know, picking up deer hunting, and it's like, okay, do I want to sit in a tree stand, wait for this big deer to come by? Or walk these fields for hours for a little bitty bird. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I chose the deer hunt instead of pheasant hunt. And as you get yeah. older, it's a little harder to walk those fields like you know, like you did when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I tell you, it, it was uh even for me, I thought, you know, uh, it's mostly flat land. It won't be that bad. Yeah. And I, when we went out there, uh the I killed that bird. Uh he was really kind of in the southern portion of the sand hills. And so uh it wasn't very flat and it, it was tired. No. I mean, we were covering we were covering like 10 12 miles a day it, it was rough but uh we uh once we kind of started figuring out what the birds liked you know uh the kind of cover we were finding them in you know we started finding more birds but there were definitely a lot of miles walked where we didn't see anything we saw some mule deer that was awesome uh we seen one big mule deer with a really nice bug but uh yeah I, and then that got me thinking i thought huh maybe i need to plan a mule deer trip out of here or something you know and <laughs> but uh yeah, I got to reading up on the regulations and, uh, you know, it, it, if you do, you can do over the counter archery out there, you know, for mule deer, but, uh, 
I think some units are closed uh, to mule deer hunting. I think in where we seen a lot of mule deer, which was odd, oddly enough. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, Nebraska's beautiful state. I I loved it. I've been wanting to go out there for years. I was so excited to to go out there in, in 2020. That was kind of a uh, it was a bucket list item for me. So <laughs> to get to check that off, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have to go there. I live there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I live in a little village between Omaha and Lincoln. Okay, yeah, we uh we rode we rode right right through all that. We hit I eighty and just kept on trucking down eighty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the way to go out to Okalala. It's just right out there, and you know, in the middle of the state, it's nice. You know, there's mule mule deer, and mm -hmm. you know the, the difference between mule and whitetail. The whitetail have kind of a pattern they run in. The muleys, they're just all over the place. <laughs> you, kind you of know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You just have to find them and then go after them because, you know, it's it's not like here where you have a trail and they're on going, you just watch the trail and, you know, out there in the sand hills, you know, it's, it's so open and there's just really, you know, just, just the way they run and they just, you know, don't really have a pattern. You yeah. know, so one of those, you're almost going to have to, you know, some spot and stalking on them and, you know, you find them and then see where they're at and sneak up on them and <laughs> antelope too, the, that's that's an interesting one too because you have to you know look for them and they have really good eyesight so if you can see them they can see you you know so yeah. it's it's a little more difficult on them and and but they do come to watering holes so you can find some watering holes and go after them that way and mm -hmm. it's all kind of fun yeah so what, what all what all have you been able to to take with a bow what all kind of animals have, have you had the chance to hunt big game wise uh just deer that's pretty okay. much all i hunt for is deer um i went to canada um i think in 95 uh for moose hunt oh that's awesome and and I, that was a rifle and then i went down to texas for hog hunting and originally went down for archery but you know they didn't set up a, a stand i could shoot archery out of very well they set up for <laughs> rifle they didn't they didn't understand that i want to shoot him with a bow and so the last day the guy i went down with he had a rifle so i just used his rifle and i he shot my my hogs and the javelina that with his rifle, but you know I went through there. You know you're kind of standing out of the blind, kind of using the door, and and you know you can't. It's not really any place you could shoot because it wasn't tall enough to shoot to the normal windows. I had to shoot the doorway. Yeah, but you know that 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 was that was interesting going down for that. You know the 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 hogs and javelina. The javelina you know, tastes just like like pork. Mm -hmm. yeah that is, that's pretty cool I've, I've never had the chance to really hunt any other big game other, other than whitetail um we did uh we we did do an out-of-state whitetail trip but uh, when i was younger there's a deer behind me i killed in in northeast missouri he's my he's my best deer but uh when i was uh i think i shot him when i was 12 uh we had we had went on a on a trip up there so there's a uh organization you may have heard of it it's called kids hunting for a cure and uh they uh they have auctions and stuff at their uh, events and they donate everything to St. Jude's. And uh, we have a, we have a chapter down here in Lincoln County that has every year on our juvenile hunt at the end of October on the last weekend, uh, they'll, they'll auction off items and stuff. And so we had met some people from Northeast Missouri that, you know, they wanted to start that where they were from. And, and uh, what they'll do a lot of times is they'll get with farmers in the County and, and try to take, you know, kids out hunting and uh that's kind of how we got hooked up and we made uh 
we made a trip up there three years in a row. I shot that deer the first year uh, within about 30 minutes, and then I never killed another deer up there. <laughs> but uh, he is a he's a he's a nine point. Well, I guess I could. I guess uh, you might be able to kind of see him. It's kind of hard with the yeah. light. But uh, I have to get up and show you. But yeah, he's got like this really cool brow tine right here. It's split kind of three ways. But uh, like, like a little mini antler on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a so yeah. I, I shot that one uh, my first year up there, and then like I said, we made two more trips and never had any any more luck after that. But uh, but it was a uh, it was it was always a lot of fun. I look forward to it every year, and uh, I guess that's why I still now like I'm always wanting to plan a trip somewhere to uh to go you know just hunt somewhere new and uh, that's a lot of fun to me and, and even if it's even if it's hunting you know whitetails or stuff i can hunt here it's, it's still a lot of fun just, just going out of state but uh but yeah turkey uh turkey hunting though in the last uh, i started turkey hunting back in i think it was oh nine and uh, i was hooked on it just immediately <laughs> so much so much fun and so much so that i started making my own turkey calls and uh this is my uh, company. My friend and I started Rook's Custom Calls. We make uh, turkey calls, duck calls, goose calls. Uh, we make grunt calls. Uh, so about about any kind of game call, you know, that that uh, you can think of, we make it. So, uh, but yeah, we, we took uh, first place at the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation, their uh, convention. The, uh, they have a call makers competition. We took, we took first place with the owl hooter. Uh, and uh, then we... Uh, we went, we entered a lot of they have a lot of different competitions and I entered one in Mississippi it was the first medal I ever won uh, had second place with a slate call so uh yeah that's uh it's just been been a lot of fun I've been able to meet a lot of a lot of people you know through it um you know it's kind of one of those things you, you're not really doing it for the money it's more just because you you love it you enjoy the hobby but uh I would encourage anybody that that, that's thinking about you know maybe making calls themselves even you know uh go for it you know it's it's a lot of fun very rewarding uh very rewarding experience but uh but yeah so i i, I listened to your turkey turkey hunting podcast and i was like oh yeah i can i can definitely get on with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i i have a I have a lathe and i i made um uh, duck calls and deer calls and and i remember the first time you're just trying to figure them out and what I do is I'd order the kit the the two pieces already cut and drilled, you know, in the square and then the the reed to put in there. And the first duck call I made, oh, I think it took me four or five hours to make. Yeah. And it, yeah, because you're going through, you're trying to figure out all the different things and because you got to size the two pieces to put them together. And, and, and then, you know, now then it's like a uh, half hour, 45 minutes. You know, I got that where I could make one in that much time because I knew I, I finally knew what I was doing. And, and yeah. you know, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, make your own call. And I've made deer calls and and, and different duck calls. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of fun, you know, making your own call. And and the duck calls are a single read, uh -huh. but they sound they sound really good for just being a single read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, it's like you said, you know, the first ones we made, I remember. We made so many lemons or you know, our turkey calls like we uh we called it our our uh, skeet pile because it, you know when you're done with a turkey call if you mess it up it looks like a you know it looks like a, a sporting clay or something so we had like, <laughs> all of them 
and we never did shoot them, but we, we, we used to shoot a lot of, a lot of clays on the weekends just for, you know, just for fun. You know, we, after church on Sunday, we, we could, you could go grab a hundred rounds of, you know, 20 or 12 gauge at Walmart for like 25 or $30 and, you know, get a, a 90, 90 count box of clays for like $6. And we'd just go, we'd go Sunday afternoons and shoot. And, uh, of course, those days are gone now. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever the COVID, you know, it's so hard to find ammo. And when you do, it's so high. It's like, yeah, I don't want to go waste it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, uh, it's not wasting it, but, you know, it's hard to get and hard to find. You know, it's, you know, we've got to save our ammo for, you know, when we do need it instead of just, you know, going out practicing. And <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So we, uh, that's funny. You know, we, we did, we had that pile. We called it our, our skeet pile. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, the duck calls were a pretty big learning curve. Uh, well, at first we were buying, you, you know, you can buy some that already have the inserts. It's like a polycarbonate insert with the reeds. Right. You know, all you're turning is like the barrel part to blow in. So right. that wasn't so bad. But when we started trying to do our own uh, tone boards or sound boards and stuff for those duck calls, man, it is, uh, it's tough. I mean, um, we made, we made some good sound and when, you know, we, we have, we've gotten better at it now, but at first it, it took a while to, to really figure that out because, uh, you know, filing it down just right, you know, we had, uh, you know, I tried using like a hand file, like, a, and it was too big. And, uh, and then, and then I finally just got to where I'd use like a piece of sandpaper or like one of those little, uh, little sanding sponges. And, right. uh, that's about all I could do to, to, to get it down. And then, and then you would get it just how you wanted it, and if you messed up your read, you had to recut that. And it's it's tough. It's uh, custom duck calls are very tough if you do them if you do them that way. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. We've uh, uh, sold sold quite a few call all over the country. It's just funny seeing how you know people people have found us. You know, we've sent calls to Canada, uh, California. You know, just all over the place. You know, turkey calls and duck calls and everything else but uh yeah that's interesting that you that you made some too so you kind of you know the game a little bit there <laughs> yeah i used the ones with the read and the soundboard is all all together you know like you started off with but the one thing i found with the, the calls whether it be a deer call or duck call is the type of wood uh-huh. changed the sound oh yeah as well as as well as the shape of the wood you know, because it's all that tone chamber, you know, how thick is it? You know, what's the shape of it? You know, and all the different things, you know, I had the same read and different calls. I had, I had one call that you could blow as hard as you want. And it just got louder. I picked up another one. You try and blow that hard. It just crapped out and, and, and didn't work. Um, the one that you could blow really hard. It was not a good call to do, you know, a, a coaxing call, you know, just it's a light one. You couldn't do it because you had to blow too much air into it to make it work. And and the other ones, you know, great feeder calls, you know, you know, all the different sounds. You almost need three different calls depending on what you was going to do. You know, if you're doing them <laughs> hail calls at them, you know, miles away trying to get their attention, you can't use the one call because you can't get their attention because you can't make it loud enough. And, yeah. and that was interesting, you know, the, the different types of woods, you know, between the zebra wood, the coca polos, the walnut, and all the different ones, you know, that you're using. And, and even if you have like the the layered or different colored colored ones, you know, they had different names for them, you know, diamond wood and 
different things. Uh -huh. You know, those are different because those are more dense, more glues, and you know they sound different and, and look different. And you know, it's just kind of interesting all the different ones that you make up, and and you almost have to blow on them and see what they sound like, see if it's what you like. You know, yeah. you can do, like you say, you can trim a little bit of the reed if you want to, but you know, I I just you know here's the reed and go with it. You know, <laughs> just make a different ones and you know those. You know those, those sold pretty good. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, but yeah. So do you still do any any waterfowl hunting or anything like that? Or no, I haven't done that in a while. I've been kind of on other things. Um, I don't have any of my decoys anymore, so that makes it a little tough. And I don't have a dog to go out and retrieve the birds. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's always nice. Uh, yeah. Same thing with pheasant. If you know, I I haven't since I lost my hunting dog. I yeah, I haven't been out pheasant hunting because. It's sure nice having that dog go find that bird for you because yeah. they get buried in the, in the grass and you you walk right over them and, and they would, you know, find them where you wouldn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, if, it, if it wasn't for my dog, I, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would be doing any kind of bird hunting either, uh, which my dog doesn't do waterfowl. She's a, she's a short hair They're You know, they're supposed to be a versatile breed, but she's not too big on water. She's mainly just a, a upland dog. You know, we, we do all that, but, uh, but my buddy, he has he has a, a lab, and uh, we'll do we'll do a little bit of waterfowl hunting around here. You know, uh, it's not too good here, in Middle Tennessee, West Tennessee. You know, the, the waterfowl hunting is a bit better, but it's uh you know it's kind of like a weekend trip kind of thing from where I live. If you want to go out there, but uh, but yeah, it is uh it's it's uh it's rewarding when it goes well. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, uh, it was funny last year, buddy. Uh, and I, we, uh, I woke up at like, I found this little piece of public land I had scouted and, um, I had actually went quail hunting over there and, uh, didn't have any luck. And, um, I, I taught my buddy into going to this spot. I'm like, Hey, I, I think we'll do good over here. You know, it seems kind of overlooked. So he was like, all right. You know, I woke up at like 2 AM and drove like three hours to this spot Two and uh, it's like two and a half, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> we got out there. And right at daylight, we've got our decoys set. We're waiting in like this little, I don't know what you call it. It's like some kind of little shrubby looking tree. You know, we're standing, there's a bunch of them in that little slough that we were in. And uh, we're kind of standing in there. And man, first thing right at shooting light, there's a mallard come in, a nice drake. He, he was kind of circling us. And uh, he made, he just made like one, one semicircle. And about landed on my head so I, I pulled up and sh I missed the first shot because he was so close I, I just shot I guess under him I, I got excited <laughs> anyway the second <laughs> shot I hit him and uh and I thought man oh it's if we're gonna have a good morning I mean we're starting out hot we never we never killed another bird <laughs> I, drove, <laughs> I drove three hours out there we've seen a lot of a lot of wood ducks and stuff but uh I don't know if you if you've hunted you may have hunted a lot of wood ducks but uh usually if you see them they know where they're going they they're like impossible to sometimes it seems to get to decoy and so uh we weren't where they wanted to be so we watched probably 100 wood ducks just fly right past us and then you know we had a few had a few other birds come in but yeah i felt pretty silly waking up and driving two and a half hours to go shoot one duck but <laughs> <laughs> and i remember after i shot i looked at my buddy i was like you know if that's the only bird we kill today i'll be happy and it's a good thing that i said that i guess because we didn't kill <laughs> We didn't kill anything else. <laughs> didn't even have a shot. <laughs> Water, waterfowl hunting's tough. I, 
yeah, for somebody that grew up, you know, hunting deer and uh, turkey and stuff. Yeah, no, it's I enjoy it, but it's uh, it, it can be pretty aggravating. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes you go out there and and you you go over the hill and they're already on the lake, or or you go there and it's it's been nice enough up north, and then all of a sudden it it just got super cold and and they're they're flying at you know you need anti-aircraft to get up to them and they ain't, yeah. they, you ain't getting them down with that high you know they're, <laughs> they're so high up there they just all flew oh there's one day i was out and, and it just thousands of them way up and way up in the clouds there was never they weren't landing they weren't going to land for a while yet because they they were so high uh, i don't think you could even make a call loud enough for them to hear they were so high you could see them you couldn't hear them even <laughs> yeah you know, he's like oh there they are i can't hear them <laughs> yeah so the, the day when i when i heard some of those snow geese i was like you know because i i've been out to you know arkansas or you know and heard a bunch and i've been to west tennessee and you know i, I knew what they sounded like and I, I sit in the tree stand i'm like this sounds like a snow goose like i kept i kept listening and i thought i know i'm not crazy and sure enough, like, and I say, I caught a glimpse of them. And like you said, they were so high They're, I mean, I could barely even see them. They were so high and I could barely hear them. And you know how loud they are. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was, uh, that was something else. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. But as, I guess as far as, uh, as hunting goes, kind of rounds out most of, most of my hunting experience anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, a little bit, a little bit of everything, but, uh, um, but yeah, I've, uh, as far as planning big game hunts, we've, we've kind of been planning an archery elk hunt, hopefully at some point in the near future. I've, I've, we've always, me and my friends have always wanted to go do that, but, uh, I don't know if you, you got any tips there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go way out on the Western part of Nebraska, they do have elk, but, uh, it, yeah, you're not going to hunt them there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't really have any tips on elk i that's something that i haven't hunted yet either it would be be nice to get out and do some elk absolutely but uh but yeah as far as as far as uh archery goes you know uh we had the new bow lineups come out you know for a lot of places here this month have you have you had a chance to take a look at any of those and form I any thoughts <laughs> i haven't had a chance to take a look at any of the new ones uh, coming out, I I need to make a, a trip to some of the the places around here. We don't have too many archery shops left anymore. There's uh, there's one actual pro shop, and then the other ones are like Shields and Cabela's and Bass Pro, and you know I don't I don't really call them as being uh, you know a really archery store because it's just kind of hit and miss. Yeah. You know, do you go in there? Is it somebody that knows what's going on? Um, you know, fortunately, when I was at, at Bass Pro, there was uh, between the four of us, we probably had a hundred years of experience. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I left, and the other guy left, and then you know, then while uh, John and I was out at uh, uh, Cabela's, you know, we had some good knowledge there. And then you know, last time we went out there, you know, neither one of us are there anymore. And and I was talking to one guy, he's like, Yeah, I, I originally wanted to go to a different department, but you know. I'd shot a bow when I was a kid. Uh, so now he's, he's in the archery department. <laughs> you know, so you, you don't never know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, same thing with Shields or Dick's or, you know, any of the chain stores. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know, you know, what you're going in for. So, you know, as a new archer, you need to get, 
you know, a little bit of education on what you need to do. And, you know, that's where, you know, a new archer, you know, if you join, you know, like, like my Facebook group, the Archer Talk 101 group, uh, you know, we can help you through that. You know, here's some of the things you need to know. And, and if they don't ask you these questions, move on because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, it, you know, you know, there's just basic few questions, you know, like basically, you know, what are you looking to get out of archery? You know, what do you want to do? You know, do I want to sell you a recurve, a longbow, a compound bow, a crossbow? Uh -huh. You know, my idea on, on archery is a stick with a string flinging another stick. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> that's archery. You know, a crossbow is archery, longbows, recurves, compounds, you know, they're they're all archery. And and you know, what are you looking to do? And and some sometimes, you know, the best bow for somebody to start with is a crossbow, especially like a, a younger kid. You can you can put cranks on them so you can cock them and mm -hmm. they got plenty of power they shoot them like a rifle um you know they shoot like a rifle because you have the stock you just got to remember anything above that rail is going to get removed when you pull the trigger because <laughs> <laughs> it will take it off whatever you have up there but yeah. a lot of the new bows you can't get your hand up there because it's just tall enough that your fingers won't won't fit you know as long as you don't put your hand over the top or something mm -hmm. really goofy like that but you know you know what are you looking to get out of it and then you know what's your dominant eye right. you know that that's some of the things that you know if they don't ask what your dominant eye is or test for it because it's a real quick easy test yeah did the pyramid you know? yeah yeah and, and you know what i do is i just the easiest way i do is you know is just have them form a little small circle like this and then you know like if i look at the camera and bring it up and look in there which eye do you see you know come back that's my right eye and it's not always your dominant hand. Now, for me, it happens to be I'm right-handed and it's my, right, it's my dominant eye. But right now, my left eye is my clear eye. So, you know, what do I shoot? You know, starting out now, I'd probably put myself in a left-handed bow because the left eye is the clear eye. And that's going to be the one that's going to take over when I'm trying to see. But, you know, I'm not switching now at 67. I'm not switching. <laughs> I'll just deal with the, the problems I have with it. And and, you know, that's just some of the things that you, you need to look for as well as, uh, you know, fitting you for it. And, you know, if they don't fit you right, bow's not going to work for you. And, and that's when I had my store, you know, I would I would not push the upper end bows to a new archer. Mm -hmm. uh, for one, you could spend $350 or almost $1,000 or somewhere mm -hmm. in between there. A new archer, why do I want to push them into a $1,000 bow? You know, yeah. figuring if they don't like the sport, now I've got this big expensive bow sitting in the closet. I'd much rather them have a cheap bow sitting in the in the closet. So I would I would push the low end one to start with, mm -hmm. and if, one it got them into a little bit cheaper in the sport. They like the sport, and then you know what? I could sell them another bow. Right. <laughs> if I sell the upper one, I never sell them another bow unless they're one of those that like to keep changing bows yeah. and get them into there and get them set up. And that's why I had, you know, as a PSE dealer, and I would set up uh, the, the Nova line of bows, which is their, their low end bow. And mm -hmm. I would set them up. Um, we'd put string silencers on them. Uh, we'd have a peep on them. Uh, you know, one of those peeps that split in three. I had, I still think I have a hundred <laughs> of them left, you know, cause they just oh, have tons of them. And, yeah. and I don't like those. So I'd put those on there. I would put a D loop on it. Um, I'd give you half a dozen arrows because I had a quiver. Uh, with the tips on there and then also a release you know the, at that time a true fire had a cheap one that that psc also sold i buy it from psc because it's cheaper but it was just their their little low-end entry-level release 
So mm -hmm. you have everything. There's nothing to buy unless you want to buy a case. Yeah. And then the hard cases, the plain old hard cases, I didn't stock them because my price at wholesale was like $5 different than what you could go buy them at Walmart for. <laughs> so I got this big case I got to carry. You know, no, I had some yeah. soft cases that you could get, but you know, or the upper ones if you wanted a more fancy one, then I'd order those in. But you know, it was all all ready to shoot. There was nothing else you had to buy. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of the kits you still got to buy your arrows, you still got to be released, still got to buy your points, uh -huh. and, and and all that. And I I bought just raw shafts. Mm -hmm. I didn't buy anything fletched because I would fletch them myself. You know, whether you do want four inch veins, you want five inch veins, you want four or five inch feathers. Uh, I'd have a, what color combination do you want? You know, what's your favorite color? You know, like, you know, to match your shirt, you know, green and, and gray. You know, we could do green and gray or we could do whatever you wanted. And they were all custom, custom made arrows. And, mm -hmm. you know, come about hunting season, we'd all of our jigs would be full. <laughs> I, I had I had a dozen uh, BPE the plastic ones and I had eight of the bits and burgers and then I had a Jojan that held six so come hunt season they would be close to that they'd all be full you know all day long we'd be fletching arrows fletching arrows all day long <laughs> and you know that was that was good now I still got some of the I still got all my bits and burgers left and I got some of the BPE so you know I could do like a dozen arrows at a time um, I don't because I don't fletch that many anymore. Because a lot of mine are all fletched. Um, so I don't really do a lot of fletching, just a little bit here and there. So normally I'll grab, you know, one or two of jigs and do one or two at a time. But yeah, it's uh it's definitely a lot of a lot of fun working on your own stuff. And uh, I know a lot of the archers will come in and they uh, uh they won't let nobody else touch the bow but you. Yeah. And you know, I know guys that are sitting there waiting three and four hours for this person to work on their bow because they wanted them to work on it, even though somebody else would be available. You know, I know in time, you know, I was there and John was there, another, you know, good bow tech and, and instructor that was working with me at both Bassburn Cabela's and, and they'd come in, it's like, you know, they wanted something to work on their bow and it's just, you know, I can do it, John's busy. And this is, I'll wait for John. Okay, there are no hard feelings, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. And I had others come in, it's like, okay, you come in, their mind <laughs> you know they only <laughs> let me touch their equipment and, and there's you know just it just arches you know once you figure out somebody that you trust them mm -hmm. then you don't let nobody else touch your equipment except them because yeah. you know they're, they're you know they're going to do a good job and you know a lot of your your top archers don't work on their equipment because they want to eliminate that from their mind okay did mm -hmm. i do this right did i do this right you know, oh, is this right? Uh, you know, it takes all that other mind because they know the person that set it up knows what they're doing and they got it set up perfectly. And, yeah. and you have to focus on your shooting. And, you know, that's, you know, that's just kind of the things that's kind of fun that, you know, we can talk about and do all, all day long. And I know you you have your calls. If somebody wanted one of your calls, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, so the best way to get in touch with us is uh, through Facebook. We have a Facebook page uh roots roots custom calls and um that's the best way we also have an instagram page uh and it's roots underscore custom underscore calls so uh but yeah that's that's the best way to to get in touch with us we uh we pretty much you know you shoot us a message we we post uh you know a lot of pictures and videos and we'll have people comment and you know ask questions and uh they'll just send us a private message you know and and we'll we'll take care of it from there uh get it get it shipped right to you so but yeah it's uh 
it's it's grown it's grown a lot you know over the last few years we've we've been able to you know uh, reach a lot of people you know through through uh, social media we tried to run a website for a little while but uh, we actually started when we were in college and with college courses and work and then also working on that it was just uh, it's too much, too <laughs> trying much to, yeah trying to keep that that pay that web page is uh it's I didn't realize how difficult that was until we we done it and uh so yeah we, we just and 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 the you know we were spending money to do it and we weren't selling anything through the website everything was through Facebook you know so I was like yeah. why are we I was like why are we running this website it doesn't even it doesn't make sense to do it at this point but uh but yeah you can reach us reach us on Facebook go give us a like you know we, we'll uh keep you updated whatever you know whatever you're passionate about uh whether it's turkey or deer you know ducks we can uh, we make calls for pretty much everything so yeah that's that's good you know with on the podcast you know we can i can put a link in uh, for the podcast in the description but you know those that listen to it in the um, facebook group you know just uh um you're in the group now so just go ahead and PM you in, in the group, you know, and then you can go that way. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's one way to get a hold of you in, in the, in the Archer Talk 101 Facebook group, because, you know, you're in there now, it's just, you know, put it, leave a comment on this podcast and tag you in it, and then you'll get notified for it. And, and then, you know, they can help you out with, with the calls. So uh, anyway, we've, we've been, yeah, we've been on here for a little while. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes we get talking and we go a little bit longer. I, you know, as most of my podcasts run, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, but the interviews run 45 to an hour, in this case, almost an hour and a hour and 15 minutes. Um, you know, because it's it's interesting, you know, we we get talking and whatnot. So I once again I'd like to thank you for being on on the podcast. It was it was really interesting talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better and and I like doing these. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, oh yeah, and, you know, anybody that wants to come on, you know, just get a hold of me, you know, I'd be glad to have, have you on, on the podcast. So if anybody, you know, that wants to come in, just you know, send me a link, a message and I'll send you the link and book a call and we'll get on there and record them. And, you know, thanks again, once again, for being on the podcast. My name is Roy Canterbury. I've been your host today on Arch Talk 101 and stay tuned uh, next week. This one should come out next Monday. Uh, this is the 23rd. So next Monday, it should come out uh, in the on Spotify. You should be able to get it there. And in, in my YouTube channel, I have a YouTube channel uh, where I, I post these as well. And I have an interesting YouTube channel name. It's Learn to Fix It Yourself. You know, it's, it's things we've been doing for many, many years. It's like, fix it yourself. You know, learn how to do it. It's sometimes cheaper to just, Buy the tools, learn how to do it, and just pay somebody else to do it. And, you know, work on your bows, you know, work on whatever it is. So uh, I'll leave a link for that in there as well. And I'll leave a link to uh, uh, your your Facebook group as well in the description of the podcast. But other than that, just get a hold of you. And it's been great talking to you. And we'll talk to everybody uh, next week. Thank you, Roy. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you too. Have a good one.